I'm not planning on doing it for too long anyway, probably about 35 minutes. Oh, the way I remember that can't guarantee you'll be done. Welcome back, welcome back to after another Sunderland game and another Sunderland defeat and another lowest point of the club's history, I think is fair to say at this point. 2-1 defeat away to Cheltenham Town, a club I didn't know existed, I thought they just had races. Um, it is beyond words at this point and I'm sure we'll get onto it all. Um, from the staff to the players, the coaches, the board to everything that's been happening at the club. But we're going to start with a somewhat positive, John. Just completely thought out there. Matete, Hume and Clark all made the full debuts in the game um, yesterday. Positive performance from them for, for the large part, I would say. Yeah, I'd go along with that. You know, who would have thought that players playing, um, you know, in their respective teams, maybe not Clark so much. He's maybe been in under-23 football. But, you know, the likes of Hume and uh, Matete, who have actually been playing, um, you know, can slot in and actually do a job. You know, it's it, it's absolutely groundbreaking. You know, the other day we were told by Johnson, Hume's, Hume's not ready. Um, and, you know, Matete comes in and doesn't, he doesn't get a start straight away and then you, you do play him and all right, it was a shit game and a shit performance, but you know, those are maybe the, you know, the, the, the one sort of positive to, to come out of it. And maybe we haven't, what's the word? Sunderlandified them yet. If you, if you see what I mean, you know, we yeah. haven't, we haven't shot all their confidence just yet. You know, you give it time, you know, we're, we, we will do. Um, but I thought, um, I thought Matei, especially, you know, I, w- I wouldn't have said it was an absolutely scintillant performance, but he wanted to get on the ball. And, you know, I, I haven't seen that from Evans or Neil in, in the last few weeks. And, you know, he's, he, he didn't look like, a you know, a 20-year-old, you know, coming into, a, you know, it is a big club, let's be honest, you know, coming into a big club and, and sort of going around demanding the ball. And he, he actually looked like he wanted to be there and he was winning, he was, you know, he was winning the ball. And even when he lost it, he was getting back and, and, and winning it again. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't think you can... You can really criticise him. You know, it's, it's a shame we've taken this long to actually yeah. purchase, you know, decent players at this level on the upward trajectory of their of their career. And then when you do actually play them, they, you know, they slot in right. And as as for Hume, I don't think there's anything wrong with Hume um, at all. We sort of slotted in and, you know, I, I don't think anything really, really came down this side. Um, the only thing I really noticed with, with Hume that he was... He was sort of pinging balls inside to Corey Evans, and Corey Evans was either smashing them back at him or, yeah. or sort of just boot, booting them back to the opposition. So it was quite, it was quite a weird, a weird one from Evans. Evans, um, but yeah, Clark as well, probably unlucky to be substituted because he was the only real one who looked, to, you know, to to get any real momentum going forward. So yeah, they're they're the three positives, but we'll we'll probably you know draw the line there at, at the positives, shall we say? Yeah. And it is quite incredible, Michael, that, you know, Patrick Roberts and Matete and Hume and whoever else we signed in January, that this is the first game we've had a proper look at them. With how shit we've been in recent weeks, this is the first look in they've had. Incredible is the perfect word to sum that up. 
I can't think of anything that comes close to describing it. And I don't, and I don't get the idea that, you know, like I think you guys just touched on, on it there with Hume that, you know, we think that he's good enough. Oh, okay, great. We're happy with this signing. Oh, right. You're on the, in the under 23s. What? What's that about? What's that yeah. about? If, if you think, if you, if you don't think he's good enough and ready for the first team, um, then, and there's evidence last night apparently to suggest that he is. But if you, if you're not saying he's good enough for the first team, then why on earth are you having him around the club? Why are you having him around the club? Send him back out to Linfield or send him out to a League Two side or a lower League One side. You know, if you don't think he's good enough, then get him first team football to the point where he's yeah. going to be good enough next season when we're going to need him. Um, that that just makes absolutely ba- that, that just baffles me completely. That um, the other ones, like I said, Clark. About time he had a start when he came on against Bolton. From the bits I did see, he looked all right. I thought he's one of our best players by a country mile against Doncaster, and it's good to see that at least he seems to be showing some quality. Um, it's it's just ridiculous. And Patrick Roberts is someone I want to see. Now, don't get me wrong, to yeah. be fair, Patrick Roberts. We I don't think in the last six months I don't think I think he's hardly played football. To be fair, yeah. Um, and there was a wasn't there a COVID outbreak? Is it was it Troy the French? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so that maybe be factored into a degree, but the problem is that we're in a situation now where the only time he's going to get fit properly is by playing games. And if you're not going to have him around the first team, then play him in the under 23s for a little bit, get some match sharpness, get some fitness up. That, that, that's always been one thing that I've never understood in football, and it seems to happen at Sunderland a lot. Is you know you've got managers or staff or whoever will come out and say you know these players aren't match fit. How do you get match fit if you're not going to have any match time? Exactly, exactly. You're not going to. How are you going to get match fit if you're not going to get any games? How? There's, unless unless there's a magical alternative somewhere we haven't thought of, then you know how are you not going to get it? If you if you if he was playing in the under 23s every week to get fitness up, then you could understand it because at least you're attempting to get sharpness up and get some fitness match fitness back up and all that sort of stuff. But the fact if you're not going, I mean, did Roberts even come on last night? He did, yeah, and then he was booked for diving, which I was surprised at because I don't think it was a penalty, but it definitely wasn't a dive. But he came on. He. But when was the... I think. <sighs> I think it was about 15 minutes to go. And let me guess, we were already losing at that point, weren't we? We were, yeah. But then there you go. That, that, that that's Parker. That's the thing I slated Parkinson for. That it's, again, we can go into the coaching staff in a bit. I know they're interim managers, but come on, for goodness' sake, reactive management again. I think the thing is with Robert as well is, you know, if we'd signed him on a four or five year deal like we have with Hume, you can maybe understand it a little bit more if he's not getting much game time. But he's on a six month contract. I'd imagine the deal relies on him impressing during the six months at the club. And he's getting 10 minutes at the end of a game that we're just doing nothing in. Exactly. It just, some, of our, some of our decisions as a club is absolutely atrocious. It just it boggles the mind of how we seem to recruit our method of signing players and then not using them. It's just, well, what's the point in bringing them in then? What's the point in having them around the club? What's the, like I go back to it with Hume, might as well send him out on loan. Hopefully these guys are going to start staking a claim more because I would imagine the likes of Roberts, who hasn't had a home, you could say, really, for about probably since he was at Man City, with the exception of when he was at Celtic. He's probably desperate to impress here because he wants to make, yeah. he wants to, you know, solidify the next stage of his career. Um, so I, I don't understand that. And he's he's someone that has been liked by Celtic. Obviously, the Scottish Premier League is different. Kettle of fish to the English League. But, you know, you look at Derby. Apparently, Derby fans liked him. Where are Derby yeah. now? Championship. So he can't be that bad, surely. Uh, so I, oh, I'm, I'm going to stop talking. It's just... <laughs> um. We'll, we'll kind of pull one more positive out of it, John, before we get into everything else. Um, Sunderland didn't do badly in the first half. Obviously, it was 1-0 at half-time and the free kick from Pritchard. It was Matete that, you know, I think initially won the ball back, having lost it. Pritchard nips in, gets fouled. 
very good free kick from Pritchard. And I think at the time I was watching it with my mate on the stream and I said, this is going top corner. And it, it did that exactly. Yeah, we know Pritchard's got the um, the quality. I, you know, I thought, I think even Danny said it, you know, it's it's in a really, really good position from the goal. Um, and I was thinking, obviously, watching the stream myself, like he's just going to bang that in the top corner. And it's probably what the, you know, the one piece of quality that we do actually see in the game. Um, but like I said, there's not many positives. We're probably, you know, we'll add that into the, you know, the performance of the three we spoke about. And then I think you've literally just got to zip it up and, you know, everything else is, you know, a, a, a shit show, so to speak. But yeah, Pritchard's quality just cannot be, cannot be questioned at all. Yeah. Well, that was half time and Sunderland were one nil up and it was looking okay at the time. Came out second half, a completely different side to what we were in the first half. Pretty much the same side as to what we've been in the last five, six, seven, possibly eight games. Just dreadful, couldn't pass, couldn't tackle, couldn't win the first ball, couldn't win the second ball. Sloppy defending, sloppy mistakes and just everything that went wrong again did go wrong. Um, you know, again, the goals, I think they were both slight deflections, but, you know, I think just missing the challenges in the build-up. The first one is a long-range effort, loops over Patterson, obviously the second one, across the goal into the far corner. And I think it was Matete and someone else who tackled each other as opposed to getting the ball. But, you know, less said about the game, the better, and more said about the game, more said about the situation, sorry, more interesting, I suppose, Michael. Um, and again, it's just another low point. And I, would, I think I said on Twitter, the Bolton game was the worst result in our history. The Doncaster game, given their position in the table and, you know, their recent form, is one of the worst results in our history. And then a 2-1 defeat at Cheltenham is another one of the worst results in our history. And that's three of them in the space of a week. And you compound that on top of losing 4-0 at Portsmouth, 5-1 at Rotherham, 3-0 at Sheffield Wednesday, don't you? So it's basically, this basically is the lowest season of our history, even though that, and what I mean by that is that it's full of the lowest points in our history, even though in the table, and people will look at it and go, you're still mathematically in a decent position. And to a degree, I get that. We are. I said it before we came on air. And that, by the way, this is not me saying I think we'll get top two. But the thing that's most annoying about it, of, of all of it, is that... Top second rate, top's gone. I think we can all, that's definitely something I think people yeah. can agree. That's gone. If Rotherham don't win the league, they've performed a Sunderland esque collapse to do it. They would have Probably to. more than a Sunderland esque collapse, to be honest now. Well, yeah, well, yeah, you, yeah, they would have to, wouldn't they? But, but Rotherham, unlike Sunderland, decide to show some competence when they should be. So Rotherham are going to win the league, right? I think that's pretty safe in holes. But second is literally right there. And I still, and I've still. And I've still got, I know this is me trying to get a rallying call. So just ignore me. I'm going to try reverse psychology. That we'll <laughs> but we second is right there to be grasped at. And I've got no I've got no doubt that, and I called it a while back, that I thought Wigan would have a dip in form at some point. In February, yeah. their fixtures are poor. They've drawn against Oxford, lost to Sheffield Wednesday. Now, granted, that doesn't mean it'll continue because they're not Sunderland. But they are going to have a lot of games over the next three months. They're going to be playing every few days. I, if we can deal with that without getting fatigued, without dropping off, then they absolutely deserve second spot. But I don't think their squad can do that. But yeah. this is what makes it annoying. If we don't bother to win our games and win the games we should be, and let's, let's make no mistake here, that side for me that played against Doncaster and the side that played last night against Cheltenham should be getting at least four points, if not six, from those games if it puts 100% into the game. And But what I will agree is that 
if you look at the Doncaster game, you start a number of uh, players that got hammered the week before. It rewards failure. That's the problem. And that goes back to the point I made at the weekend on YouTube, which is it's about standards. And at the minute, and yeah. standards, what standards? There is none. Um, and this is my point. It's, it's, a, it's so annoying because second is right there. But it seems like everyone, every team in this league wants someone to grab second except Sunderland. We do... We don't want to get second because if we did, we wouldn't be throwing away a lead to a team that has been, with with all the greatest of respect in the world at Cheltenham, been on what was it, winless since November, something like that. Doncaster yeah. uh, at home, bottom of the league. Like, come on, have a like the lads have got to have a self respect for themselves, and the ownership have got to be called into question. Obviously, with a lot of the things, I'm sure we'll get into that. Um, Speakman, KLD have got to be called into question with leaving us short in defence. They've got to be called into question with how long it's took to appoint Lee Johnson's successor, but. I think the players get. I don't think we should ever let the players get off lightly for these last couple of games because that that is not acceptable for many of them. Um, so to to cut to for my long-winded, long answer to your simple question, um, yes, it's 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 another one among the lowest points in our history. And how and other pods have said this in particular. Don't let anyone fool you into thinking that this is acceptable because yes, we're down here. We're down here for a reason. But come on, it's Dunland in League One. We, we should be able to attract the quality to help us get promoted out of this division. Enough yeah. enough. When is this going to stop? Yeah. And you're going back to a point that Michael made there, John, about, you know... In my long-winded 10-minute rant. Towards the start of that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, about, you know, Wigan having a lot of games. Obviously, I think they're still in the A Cup, potentially both Cups, potentially all three. They're out of the FA Cup, point. but they're in the Papa John semi-final. Yeah. So they've still got a lot of games to cram in. Obviously, the games in hand are there as well, but... I think they are winless in the last three games. Um, and, you know, a lot of talk was about, you know, yeah, we're going to have two points above us, but we've got these games in hand. If they win the games in hand, the X amount of points above us. They've dropped seven points in the last three games. In the last three games, Sunderland should be picking up nine. You know, Bolton, 15th in the table, should be winning that game. Doncaster, bottom of the table, off the back of a 5-0 defeat of Rotherham, a team that want to get promoted, it seems, lose 2-1. Cheltenham, I'm not sure. I think they were. I'm not entirely sure where they yeah, are. I think it was between 14th and 17th. The point is that they're, yeah. they're in the bottom third themselves. Yeah. So again, another game that someone have to win. If you win them games, you know we're looking at this as in we could easily finish top two here. We've caught up with Wigan. We've got Wigan left to play. We've got Rotherham left to play. We've got a couple of favourable fixtures towards the end of the season on paper. But it's the same story for Sunderland as it has been in the last four years. You know, results start going our way. And then we just seem to take complete focus away from the results that we need to get ourselves. Well, yeah, we know we've we've never seized, you know, the opportunity. We've had a lot of opportunity and we've just never taken it. You know, we we don't seem to have the, you know, the mental toughness to to get jobs done. You know, we we can't see out games. You know, we've we've had fairly, you know, not necessarily on paper, but we've had fairly easy games where players have been, you know, sent off and they've been down to ten men, and you just got to manage it. And we, you know, we can't we. You know, I've I didn't even look. I didn't know till this morning that Wigan had lost because I thought there's no point in us. There's no point yeah. in even watching because it it doesn't mean anything because we're not we're not at the point where we can seize that opportunity and we ne- we never can. Now we're thinking about you know teams outside the playoffs with games in hand that can overtake and it's you know the the mentality is just shifting down. Um, you know, and it, it is de- it's definitely a a, men- a mental thing in inside the. You know, in, inside the team, and I think that's why we're we're looking at a person like Roy Keane who can, yeah. So yeah, with um, yeah. So obviously with with Roy Keane coming, I think he's the one who gives us that 
you know, that mental toughness. Because like, like I'm saying, these, these players are not shit players. You know, they're very good and they should be very good for this level. And maybe even, you know, they should be able to compete in the level above. But it seems we've we've lost, not lost because I don't think we had it, but we haven't got that mental toughness that can can see out games and can believe in ourselves. And even if we went one or two nil down, you know, as we've seen it with a Roy Keane team where he would be, we can do this. You know, we can still win. It doesn't matter. You know, and that's from his winning mentality. But we we just cannot do it. And I think that's why Roy Keane's like the you know the the manager there. But this this team is just mentally absolutely frail. Um, they can't handle it, and 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 again on a on a sort of a side thing, they they can't like Cheltenham. You know, say what you want. We are a big scalp in this league. Say what you want about how how big we are. You know, at the moment we're just a shit league wanting. But teams raise their game against us, and if they do that, again we haven't got the mental frailty to raise our game to a certain level that can over overcome that. And you saw it last night. We went one nil up. We played okay in the first half. Second half, you know, fuck knows what was said at half time, but it couldn't have been a rocket up the arse or a let's get out there and play football because it wasn't anything like that. And um, we came out, we sort of plodded along, and we didn't really go from because if we did go from with it with our options, then I think we could have won, but we we didn't. Um, and yeah, like I said, these players just cannot they cannot deal with, and it's it's almost a thing of playing for Sunderland because with that becomes added pressure with teams who raise their game against us, and we can't do it. And I think with an appointment like Roy Keane, those those levels can maybe sort to of be ironed out. But you know, until anything's sorted on that front, then we're we, you know we're in limbo again. You go to Wimbledon Saturday, and we're looking at the same sort of results. I think. Sorry yeah. for being uh, so long. Just just to touch on that last bit that you said there as well, which um. I think it's in the last six, potentially eight games, Sunderland is 23rd in the league form table. Wimbledon are 24th. So make of that what you will. But well, we know, we know, we know what's going to happen, don't we? Unless, we absolutely unless big, do. a big reaction comes. We said yeah. that two, two or three days ago. Yeah. And obviously it's been Mike Dodds in charge of the team these last two games, Michael. Um, last two defeats as well, I will add. And... I know some people will try not, not necessarily defend them, but you know, give him a little to a degree. A little bit, yeah. In the fact that he's not a manager. And I would agree when people say he should never be put in a position to manage the first team. You know, he's clearly not qualified enough to be doing that. I don't even think he's in charge of the under twenty three team. I could be wrong on that. He hasn't been at the club particularly long, but fuck me, like the team selection against Doncaster, obviously, which we touched on during that pod, was shocking. And anyone with an ounce of football and brain knew that wasn't going to work. It didn't. Um, he changed it up, you know, as we kind of wanted him to for the for the Cheltenham game. And it worked, like he said, for the first 45, 40, 45 minutes. But again, similar to the Doncaster game, our first change was made in the 75th minute when we were 2-1 down. We were 2-0 down against Doncaster when we made the same change. It doesn't take a genius, it doesn't take an Alex Ferguson or a Jurgen Klopp to look at that game and think we need to make a change. Well, apparently with Sunderland it does. Because um, it seems like we. It seems like every head coach we had. Lee Johnson, to be fair to him, and I, I want to make this clear, I still think it was the right call to let Lee Johnson go. Just because his last couple of results have gone pear-shaped doesn't mean we should have kept him. But he was probably the only head coach I can remember for some time that was keen to make changes. At least at the start, he was keen to make, like for the first year of his tenure he was willing to make changes when it was evident changes had to be made 
But as you said, with Mike Dodds, I mean, goodness me. Yes, you're right, right? He shouldn't have been put in this position. He shouldn't still be in charge of the team. And unless something happens on the managerial front or the head coach front, it's looking increasingly likely and worryingly likely that he's going to be in charge for Saturday. Um, I still believe whoever we put out should be capable of beating Wimbledon. But obviously I said that about the last couple of games. So it doesn't yeah. you know, make it that what you want to. But with Mike Dodds, the thing is, when I watch Mike Dodds, when I watch Mike Dodds' interviews, when I watch Mike Dodds' interviews after games, um, I, I, the one at the weekend, I'm, I'm struggling here because I'm, I'm speechless on what to say. Uh, the Doncaster interview, I know a lot of people were very, um, what's the word? Very keen to, well, basically jumped on the interview with the things that he said. And I, I decided not to watch it because when people were saying, oh my God, he's actually saying this, I couldn't be bothered with watching it because I knew it was going to piss me off. And then for some reason, a couple of days, I think it was like Monday, I thought, right, go on, then I'll watch it, see what he says, and blah, blah, blah. And then the first thing he comes out with is, oh, I feel sorry for the players. Oh, never yeah. mind never mind the supporters, mate. Never mind the people who pay your wages and pay for us to keep us going as a club. No, forget them. They don't matter. And then uh, last night, apparently, I've, I haven't even watched his interview, and I don't want to, even though I'll probably force myself to watch it. I mean, they, they didn't even post it on uh, Twitter. It was Yeah, I think that says that a lot, doesn't it? Um, but what, but I did the clip that was, I think Rook Report shared it. And they said, uh, in the clip, he said, oh, well, you know, I know we've lost the last two and that's on me. But prior to that, they'd won one in six. What's that got to do with anything? What is that got to do with anything? Your job for the next couple of games, for these last two games, is to lift the players up and lift the standards. And Mike Dodds, you can tell straight away, is someone that this is right there, is the cultural problem with Sunderland, where there has not been standards. There isn't standards. There hasn't been standards for years. And when he goes on about... Oh, I feel for the players. Oh, the tough, bad job. Well, what is your job to do something about it then? Until someone comes in, whether you like it or not, Mike, your position is to do something about that, to raise the standards, to get the team up for... Oh, I'm getting too angry here. Cheers, mate. I was in a good mood before this started. <laughs> um, uh, it, the standards are terrible. And that's why, like what John said, you know, it's Roy Keane would lift the standards. I've had my reservations about Roy Keane, but for goodness sake, get the bastard in. Get him in. Get someone in with some half-decent standards and get us out of this league, please. Yeah, ran right over for now. <laughs> for now, I'm sure I'll uh, introduce you to another one. Oh, but to it. again, you know, you can question absolutely everything at the club now. You've, you know, the pictures yesterday at the game, Charlie Methven in the stands, and it's come out that I think he's one of one of like in the director's box or something for home games or something along them lines. And then obviously the question about ownership comes along, um, and and why is he still seemingly involved in the club, um. Got the question about the manager, obviously, who's coming in, when are they coming in, why have we had two rounds of interviews when, you know, our season's falling apart, you know, day by day, really. Um, and then the other kind of talker point is just how far these players have fallen in the last few weeks. I think it's one win from eight now for Sunderland in League One, including them games are like Accrington, Cheltenham, Doncaster, teams at the bottom of the table. Teams that you should be winning if you want to be in the top two. Comfortably as well. You know, not just a 1-0, 2-0, 2-1 win. You should be beating these teams comfortably, especially especially the ones that you've got at home. But we aren't. And it really does seem like the players have... I don't like using this phrase because it is not the best one to use, but it genuinely feels like some of the players have down tools in recent weeks. Well, I said this myself. Well, I've got... I don't know if you saw it, right, but there was an article from Craig Hope last week, and I referenced it in my own YouTube video. There was an article, I think it was last within the last week, where he said that the Christian Speakman had a chat with the players, 
after about Lee Johnson's sacking, and some of them didn't agree with it. Um, Lee, apparently, Speakman explained, and Speakman obviously deserves criticism himself, but Speakman apparently explained, look, Johnson was meant, was set to meet X, Y, and Z, and he wasn't reaching A, B, and C. Um, so that was why we got rid of him. That was why we got rid of him. And some of the players reportedly, this is reportedly, so again, I'm taking what Craig says at face value here, but he, some of the players reportedly said, well, what happened to the long-term project? And some of yeah. them were, were, didn't agree with the sacking. Now, for me, I don't. This, this brings on to my point. I think I've lost respect for every single player if they've down tools as a result of LJ going. And one of the other... I, 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 don't, I don't even know if I could say it since LJ going, because this well, has been yeah, going well, on for a very long time, there, prior to Johnson getting sacked. Well, but that's the point. Yeah, you just bang on the money. Right. Because if those players are devastated about LG going, some of them said they felt we were doing okay. All oh, right. Well, if that, and that that again goes back to standards. Right. Okay. So if you think okay, getting it's not beat 4-0, you, you think, yeah, if you think getting beat 4 0, 5 1, 3 0, 6 0 in the third tier is okay, then that tells you everything about the players' standards. Um, I do get it in principle. A lot of them, I think some of them would have definitely liked Lee Johnson. But if that's their response from LJ going, then they're, they're basically what they're admitting is they're willing to put our league status and league position as a club at risk because they're taking a huff that right, sorry, that um, Lee Johnson's gone. When they have no right, in my opinion, to put in the performances like away at Portsmouth, away at Shrewsbury, away at Rotherham, Sheffield Wednesday, Accrington, uh, Bolton, they've got no excuse to put those performances in and then question it when Lee Johnson gets the sack, do they? Yeah. You know, it's it's a joke. Um, and again, I do think the players have down tools because mentally, we're shit. But in terms of actual quality, we've not got a shit team. I've, I, think, I think when you're looking at the team that we've got and the players that you've got, I think we've still got the top scorer in the league. Granted, he hasn't scored in... What feels like a decade now. Um, you know, Alex <laughs> Pritchard could probably, you know, without injuries, probably still play in the Premier League. Definitely play a top end championship. Agreed. Got Dan Neil, who's been linked with teams who in the Premier League, he's obviously played every game this season up until now and, you know, falling off form wise. But the players that we've got would arguably, and I'd say arguably, more than likely probably, get in every side in this league. Technically. Exactly. Because that's how good they are on like at football. But mentally, like I said, I think it was after Doncaster game or whatever game it was, I've forgotten now, but it genuinely feels like they are one of the weakest set of players we've had mentally for a very long time. Yeah, and I think and some of that I'm not going to defend it at all, really, but to a degree it's understandable to an extent because of the fact that a lot of these players are young players, and this is the first for a lot of these players, like you look at say someone like Jack Clark, for instance, this is probably yeah, he's played for Leeds, obviously, but this is the big, you know, this is a huge, this is the biggest club that he's going to be playing for um, down this level. Like, um, and well, biggest EFL club that he yeah. could go to, I should say. Um, and I mean, obviously, I'm not, exclu- I'll not include Jack Clark in that, but I get your point. Like, mentally, it's just shocking. Technically, and on paper, and I know games aren't played on paper, but the reason that we mention it is because with the game, with these players on paper that we signed, every team, if you asked every team in this league, would you want Jack Clark? Would you want Patrick Roberts? Would you want Ross Stewart? Would you want Dan Neal? Would you want Jay Matei? Would you want Danny Barr? Would you want, you know, you get the point. Yeah. Um, you know, if they want those players, night, most teams, if not every single team, even Rotherham and Wigan would probably say yes. They probably would. Yeah. So with that comes the expectation to be in it. And this is where the recruitment team have to be called into question to an extent because Yes, you want to go down the route of getting players young and selling them for a profit and blah, blah, blah. But you still want to have the experienced players around them to make sure that they guide them through these tough situations. And that's why I, th- I think it's a lot more than just the players as well, though, because, you know, one of the points that always gets made regarding transfers, you know, we've brought in Will Grigg in recent years. 
he scored goals ever, other than Rotherham, who I don't think he's had too much game time at since he's went on loan there this season, but scored goals at Wigan for fun, got them promoted, I think, two or three times. Max Power was at Wigan, got them promoted, came here, didn't really do too much. Going back to Wigan, looks like you might be getting promoted again. We are getting players that are good enough for this league because they've been promoted, they've played the part in other teams in other seasons. Key parts as well. Yeah. And I, you know, I think looking at the team, probably maybe last season or the season before, majority of them had experience of getting promoted from this division, so they know what it takes. And whether the dressing room mentality is not good enough, I don't know if I'd say that. But the whole mentality of the club seems to bring the dressing room one down. It does, and again, it's mentality and standards. And I know I keep mentioning that word, and I've mentioned that word probably more times than any other in the last week, but. It's a true, it's a true fact, because I'll ask you this, right? If Sunderland had standards and had the right mentality, is there any way we wouldn't have got at least four points in these last two fixtures? I'd say nine. Well, yeah, obviously. Bolton, yeah, Bolton. I mean, again, it's that's another one. Akron's another one. You know, it's the right standards and mentality where if you look at even 2-0 up at Fleetwood, Shrewsbury and Akron, 10 men, you know, it's, it's just ridiculous. I mean... Again, I don't know what it is. I don't know whether it's a cultural problem at the club because I do I do think, and to an degree, the players do care. I know I say you sound like they don't, and it's half the time it feels like they don't because they keep bottling opportunities, but something serious, whatever it is, there's something seriously wrong in that dressing room. And I think whoever comes in, and this is why I think you need a manager now, and even someone like Grant McCann, for all that he wouldn't be a very inspiring appointment, to be honest, but whoever, someone's got to come in just to get a bit of peace of mind for the players to say, well... Yeah. Okay, here's someone. Got, now, I don't think that's an excuse. I still think the players had enough, uh, again, should have had easily enough quality to dispatch the last two opponents easily, without doubt. Yeah. Um, you know, the first half performance last night, where even though it wasn't great, showed that. You know, they have got the quality to dispatch teams. And so it's all about application and every time. And the thing is, the season can still be salvaged, even if we don't finish in the top two, which a lot of people would have written off, which is fair enough. Um, I don't think we will, but there's mathematically, there's every chance of it with all the situations I mentioned before with Wigan. You could do that, or you could get a good run of form, get into the playoffs, and if you had someone like, say, a Roy Keane in a playoff final, there's a good chance he could tactically get you over the line, and good chance he could yeah. get over the line this time. So, someone like that will give you an extra 10%, and I think that's what Sunderland haven't had for a long time. Well, exactly, and if you, this is why, and this, I suppose we can go on to the club for this, that um, this, is the, this is why this appointment needs to be made, and it needs to be made now. And if it's Roy Keane, and again, like John said before, the club's on the back foot straight away because whoever comes in, if they're not Roy Keane, if they're not at least someone who's got a big character and who could potentially excite the fans, and even then they wouldn't be as excitable as Roy Keane, one, they're going to know they're not the first choice, and two, the fans are going to be thinking, well, it's not Roy Keane. You know, it's yeah. the club's back. So for me, Speakman and KLD, they won't be listening to this, but I'm going to say it anyway. They need to get a fucking move on and say, well, the season can be salvaged here, lads. It depends how badly that the ownership and the players want to get promoted because promotion is right there. It can be in the it can be in our grasp if we want to take it. So they've got to wake up. Everyone's got to wake up and realize it. And I know that John again said before that, the, and you said it before the mentality maybe maybe the expectation does weigh heavily on the minds here. But if they if they think that's going to be such a big issue, then they shouldn't have come. They shouldn't have come to Sunderland because if you're coming into Sunderland in League One, you should know straight away on the back from from the off. The remit is promotion. The remit is top two. The remit is not just aiming for, actually getting promotion. That's the only thing that's good enough. And if you can't thrive under that, then you're at the wrong club. Yeah. Pretty much that, to be honest. Um, yeah, I can uh, now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, just, just looking at the table, um, when I can eventually get it up on my phone. You know, it is not 
looking particularly good at the moment, given what it was say, six weeks ago. Obviously, a lot of defeats, a lot of bad results and teams around us winning. Um, MK Dons, obviously, they drew their game yesterday, but win, won at the weekend, um, so they were above us. We are still technically two points from automatic promotion, which, you know, like you say, is you know still an indication that it is there to get. But the problem if you is sort it out. The problem is if we don't win our games, it doesn't matter, does it? Yeah. The problem. But then on the other side of it, Sheffield Wednesday, who are seventh, are two points behind us with the game in hand. So I'm not sure when that game will be played, when Sunderland don't have a game, but very shortly Sunderland. Sheffield Wednesday play Rotherham on Sunday, so we're gonna cheer on Rotherham now, aren't we? Yeah. So, you know, it is very possible that in the coming week Sunderland fall out of the top six, fall out of the playoff positions completely with, you know, fifteen potentially 14 games left of the season to go and it, it just defies belief how little urgency there's been from Speakman, from Kibble, from whoever else is involved to just get another manager in and had you know this information come out that you know we didn't have an appointment ready to make um, I would never have sacked Lee Johnson. No I agree um, if you can't if you haven't got anyone lined up then you shouldn't have got. You shouldn't probably have got rid of Lee Johnson because I could have seen Sunderland losing our away games under Lee Johnson. But I'll be. I would actually be. I would expect us to still be. Do- I mean, I expect us to be Donny at home anyway. But I would imagine that we probably would have done with LJ still in charge. But it goes back to the point that um, if you believe the interviews from KLD and Christian Speakman, that apparently the reason we sat Lee Johnson wasn't just an eject reaction to the six 0 defeated Bolton. It was a accumulation of factors that have been built up. Okay, but then if that's the case, then then you should. Why have haven't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If that's the case, then if that's been building up for a while, why hasn't an appointment been made behind the scenes? I know to a degree they want a. They said they want to be respectful to Lee Johnson, but at the end of the day, we're in a position where we need to get promoted. We have to go up this season, whether we think it's going to happen or not. For me, is not the argument. We have to go up this season, and to do that, we need to give ourselves the best chance to do that. If you think Lee Johnson's not going to do it, then you need to have someone ready lined up to come in to replace him. And I'm. You know, people can say, would Roy Keane really want to come? Really want to come? To be honest, I'm not sure I'd want him at the club if the two games are enough to put him off coming here. But um, yeah. the, point, the point is, he, he wants it. I refuse to believe Roy Keane does not want to come to Sunderland. He does. It's just a question of, are we giving him the wage demands he wants? Are we giving him the job security he wants? Are we giving him the contract length he wants? So again, this is, this is, the, only, this is the first big test of this new regime with Speakman and with KLD. And at the minute, they're failing with horrible colours. Yeah. Completely failing. Um, I'd imagine, I don't know if this is hope or probability that Sun will have a new manager in by Saturday, John. Um, and, you know, I think Lamucci, who is at Forest, I think he's been in for talks this week. Obviously, Roy Keane's probably on his fourth interview by now. Grant McCann's been linked. <laughs> Whoever comes in, and again, you know, we are all hoping it is Roy Keane. But if it was a Grant McCann or Lamucci, who you know, I don't really know too much about, to be honest, but if Sunderland were to go in the playoffs, the one manager I think you would trust to motivate the players and get the standards up, get the performances up, would be Roy Keane. I don't know if I would, if Grant McCann come in, if I would have that same faith of achieving something in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I I get what you mean. Obviously, I don't know too much about you know your Lavucci, but it didn't go too well at Forest. But obviously, we know there's quite a few problems upstairs with them. Um, and it's you. I, I think you have to go back to you never know with Sunderland. You never know what to expect. Um, you know, I I don't know why, but 
I sort of fancy us every single game to think, yeah, we could do this, yeah, we could do this. Even in the Premier League, I was thinking, you know, when we used to go to Man Cities and, and those types of things, thinking, yeah, we we can do this. But I think you just never know. Obviously, it's we're all going to draw back to, obviously, you two are quite young, but, you know, the, the Roy Keane days, and it was, you know, anything was possible if, you know, because it was a little bit more than just ability. Um, I, I maybe think if, you, if you're leaning towards Roy Keane, then to me, it's more, it's more feasible, I think. Um, not taking anything away from from Alex Neil or or Grant McCann, um, but who, you know whoever it is, um, you know if it's not Roy Keane, I think there'll be a little bit of um, you know sort of negativity maybe towards it. But then you know we've we've just got to back whoever whoever they choose, and you know to be fair, they they have got to just come in and hit the ground running. You know it's it's a big job, it's a big task. It, it, you know, regardless of what anyone thinks, it's a big club and there is always expectation there. As soon as we don't expect, you know, that we, we let our expectations down and accept it, then, you know, everyone else sort of accepts it. And then we, we find ourselves just sort of dwindling around in, in League One like we like we have been now for, you know, we're going to sort of the fifth year if we, if we don't get out. So, you know, I, I don't know what's taking so long. They really do need, you know, the owners, you know, <laughs> there's... There's so many in that in that boardroom, isn't there? With you, David Jones and and all those types of people, it's just it should just be one person making the decision, get it sorted, bang done. Whereas you know, if you listen back to Kirill's interview last week, it's a it's a diligent process and all this type of thing. Where it's, it's taken too long, you know. I don't care if you are respecting Johnson, which is you know, which is fine. You know, do your back channels. You know, I'm sure someone can get. There the has to be a point, especially at a club like Sunderland, but at any club in football, where Desire and I can't think of the right word. Um, ambition overcomes, you know, respect. Yeah, yeah, of course it does. You know, and you know, it, football's football's a tough, you know, a, a tough place. We could talk about, oh, you know, not not being disrespectful to Johnson. I'm sure Johnson's taken his massive, um, and it's going to be it's going to be fairly big, isn't it? Um, his like his payoff. He'd have signed his non-disclosure agreements so he can't you know he can't criticize anything in the background which is why you get a lovely old statement not saying it wasn't genuine um but i'm sure there was a few things you'd like to say and you know this yeah. happened that happened and and those types of things um but you know we you've got to do your back channels you know there's there's nothing wrong with back channeling and get and going through those and saying to keen well how much how much would you want what would you want and what would it take for you to come and then we'll weigh it up and then when you do give johnson you know is is marching orders those people should have been, regardless of the transfer window, you know, we didn't need to sign Defoe at half past one in the morning. You know, what a, it's almost like a smokescreen, you know, to cover our, how shit planning was. And with an even shitter plan, you know, we've, we've you know, we divvied about in the transfer windows by all accounts with the Peterborough, um, you know, manager and chairman coming out and telling us how we dicked about with, uh, with Beaver. So not, yeah. you know, not everything's, as 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 rosy as you know, Speakman likes to come out and give us these you know rosy interviews instead instead of you know sometimes a bit of honesty is good and just saying look it is you know we 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 did get this wrong you know we are we are struggling we're learning from it and you go yeah fair enough but you try and pull the wall over people's eyes um, and then it does unfold and obviously we're seeing now you know who is making the decisions at the club who is you know who is doing the hire and firing and who's Whose decision was it to bring back Defoe and to bring in the new manager? And is it going to be Keane? Is it good? It's, it's all up in the air, and it, it just makes you know. Again, it goes back on and off the pitch. We are at the moment just a shit show. Yeah, I think we'll leave it there for this one. Um, you know, the longer we go on, the more we'll just repeat everything we've said this year. Really, so much um, lasting just half an hour, which is very depressing. I know. Um, 
But like I said, 23rd in the form table. Chelsea, uh, Wimbledon are 24th. Play them on Saturday away from home, I believe it is. Um, which again is another indicator as to how this game might go if the form table wasn't enough to show you. But predictions, John? <laughs> I think new, new manager with with a new manager bounce. You'd like to think, you know. I'd, I'd, my heart says we we can win. Sort of, you know. Two one. Uh, if if you know if if we don't and we're going into the same, you know, I don't see us, I don't see us really competing at all, and you know, you know, ending up on the on the end of a, another horrible result to sink to a, a new low. Um, but you'd yeah. like to think with two two days left, you know, there's got to be something something in the offing, hopefully. Yeah, Michael. I'll try and instill some false hope here. Um, I said I didn't think Baxter to beat Cheltenham beforehand, and I, and I was right. So I'll say we'll beat Wimbledon with, and I'm going to say even without a man, even if a manager isn't appointed, even if he's appointed and he's not appointed, well, appointed but not taking the game. Yeah. Um, hopefully that's Roy Keane. I think the fact that Wimbledon are down there, I think that the players have got to look at themselves and think this is like real last chance saloon to get a run going here because, come on. Even if you want to take, even taking into account Doncaster, even taking into account Bolton, even taking into account Cheltenham, fact of the matter is Wimbledon are bottom of the form table. I know we're second bottom, but even so, even so, like, come on. If we can't beat these, then what hope have we got? So I'm going to say 3-1 Sunderland. Yeah, well, we've, we've got to concede, don't we? It's in our DNA. Oh, we one. always do. We never, we never keep, until we start keeping clean sheets regularly, then we're going to make it hard for ourselves. So, yeah. Well, like I said, we'll, we'll leave it there. Appreciate you. Coming on and ruining what was probably a decent start of the day for you. No worries, thanks for having me. Very much appreciated. Yeah, <laughs> Hopefully, we can uh, Be one day Sunday. talk <laughs> about a game in a much more positive manner and actually talk about the game. And, you know, I think player ratings are a thing of a past little minute because I just can't bear to talk about performances at this point. There they are. Okay, that here's bad. player ratings. Everyone gets a three at best. There you go. Half a Matete for me. All right, then, there you go. That's it, sorted. Yeah, that is it. But like I say, Wimbledon on Saturday. God forbid it goes our way. We'll, we'll have a podcast out on Sunday to talk about that. Um, then Brady Lowry shirts are still on pre-orders for another week or so. I think another nine days of them left for you to pre-order. Um, obviously, 100% of profit for them does go to the foundation and the shirt will be dispatched, I think it's six to eight weeks after the closure of the pre-order window. So sometime in in April, I think it is, they will be dispatched. Um, so keep an, eye on, keep an eye out for that on Twitter. That is a mouthful to say that. Um, but until then, we will see you later. That's all, folks.